Hello to all my listeners, supporters and aspiring writers and welcome to a brand new episode of Creative Writing with Kasaya Hyde. So we are back with a brand new series. Uh, this series will be running every two weeks instead of every week, um, just to give myself a little bit of preparation time, and so the the episodes aren't too few and far between. But today we've got a really interesting episode. Today we are looking at female representation in films, TV shows, and novels. And my guest today is uh, writer Catherine Dobby. So let's go over to Catherine now to begin the episode. Hello, Catherine. How's it going? Hi, I'm all good, thank you. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm good, thanks. I wanted to kick off this interview by asking how long have you been uh, writing? I mean, I mean, to be fair, I've probably been filling notebooks and books for years and years and years. I mean, styles of writing have differed. I mean, I'll probably say since I was a teenager, I probably started doing a lot more film scripts and everything like that. But, oh God, I've got notebooks going back from when I was seven, trying to write out the latest story of drama and suspense. Well, as, as much drama and suspense you can get at that age. You know, who stole the padlock and things like that. But uh, I would probably say I've been writing most of my life. Ah, interesting. What writing stuff have you used? What software do you use now? And what did you use back then? Uh, I mean, when it comes to terms of software, I'm a traditionalist. I've got notebooks and notebooks absolutely everywhere. I find, for me, the best way of the writing process for me is pulling the thoughts out from pen to, you know, to ink in the, at the end of the day, you know, taking that process and making it into a physical form is the most natural way for me to do any form of writing. Um, I mean, if I am going to go to software, <laughs> I've got the bog standard Microsoft Word. They've got a wonderful dictate version you can do in there. So I can wow. pop that down and I can read bits out. <laughs> Probably sound like an absolute madman reading, dictating all these little bits to myself. But uh no, I've got notebooks and notebooks and I'll probably stick to those. But that's quite interesting because nowadays people use just computers. Notebooks have started becoming a thing of the past. I know that I've got uh, piles of of notebooks that I've done over the years and and, uh, I've written early drafts and and everything and then I've converted it to um, a computer. So it's interesting to hear that there are still people out there that still use um, notepads and and pens. And how do you think, you know, do do you feel like that is a more creative way of getting your work out? I I feel I can be more unlimited uh, and unrestrained if I'm going with pen and paper in, in the way that I comes to writing. I mean, having done it for years and years and years, it can get to the point that, that as you're thinking it, you've got it out on the page. I mean, mm. I mean, I wish I was an artist. There's <laughs> many things as much as I can try and detail it and get out absolutely every little way of framing it. I'll never fully get it out on page in a, a mm. way that an image could do so so succinctly but uh I uh, find that with it with a screen it, it just it, and I end up getting distracted by so many different things but if I'm in a notebook I'm, I'm lost to that world you know the what inspiring reason why I went into writing in the first place is through reading and for me that was sitting tucked up with a little book somewhere yeah. and wanting to recreate that process Plus, I always loved having that bundles of information you can carry around with you. 
I mean, you've you seen Indiana Jones, the third one, where the dad with his <laughs> little novel of absolutely everything that he's gathered together about these crusades yeah. and the Holy Grail and everything like that. I've always loved that idea of having that collection of knowledge and notes and scrabble that things together with me whenever I can. Wow. I mean, it ends up leading to a brawling collection of notebooks. I've had to number every page and have contents pages of everything that's in them because oh, <laughs> that's, that's the one benefit that technology will have. You can find your notes easily. Your yeah. notebooks, oh God, <laughs> it can be an absolute nightmare. But um, uh, I, I, I just love having the different collections and pulling all those thoughts out into one place. That's really interesting. Thank you. Um, so what what specific stuff do you uh, write about? You know, what what is it that uh, interests you in particular as a writer? Uh, I mean, usually what I end up finding I'm writing is the kind of monologue of thoughts I'm having at that time. So it can vary massively. So it can, it can start off from going through a therapeutic process for myself. So trying to put into words the thoughts that I'm having at that time and pulling that onto page and being able to work with it constructively. Or if I've read something that inspires me or interests me, I love getting all the details of that out and then working with those and creating those ideas and expanding those bits of knowledge. So it can be if I find out about an interesting writer and the work that they've done or a different play <laughs> writer and things like that, or even if it's just a bit of poetry, having those different collections and then just being inspired from that, you know, creating works of my own or just expanding those different ideas. It can end up being big collections. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it probably doesn't fall into one category neatly because uh, it can have different film ideas and all different bits, but uh, they all end up going into one book at the end of the day. But that's, that's another interesting uh, point of view because you don't tie yourself down to one genre, one specific um, point of view. You know, you can get people that just write science fiction, just write horror, um, just write comedy or or just write uh you know tragedies whereas your the the way that i see you know where you, you've you've come across that you just you write about what you know and what you learn and mm. you follow that idea till it's uh till it's end point you know you don't really necessarily care about whether it's a science fiction or a horror or you care more about what you've learned and what you could put to 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 word as such. Um, so that's another interesting point that you are one of those unique writers that doesn't tie themselves down to, you know, a certain genre. You are very much flexible with what you can write and what you are capable of writing and what you feel like writing. So that's quite interesting. Uh, thank you <laughs> I appreciate it yeah because yeah, I've just found it fascinating to just keep expanding ideas and exploring those ideas uh, I, I was doing it the other day that I realized having lots of contents pages is wonderful it's fantastic but <laughs> it doesn't lead to much chronology in anything that I can compile together and write but something I could work with a little better is if I did an index of these different books. So looking mm. at the different themes that I've come across in the different years and seeing how those ideas have developed in those moments of time. So you can look at ideas of love or home or self or growth or strength or all these different connotations and things that you can pass through and you can revisit these themes in different points in your life. But with all the different things that you've learned and the different perspectives that you've gained since then. I mean, it, especially when you're studying and you have these different uh, chaotic things occur in your day-to-day -day life, these different perspectives can change so, so wildly. I mean, you, a simple one of home, you know, you look to what your ideas of what that was then compared to how that can be 10 years later when you know you're not living in that family home anymore you're defining yourself as a young adult or old adult or whatever you are at that point and those ideas will continue to change 
So, I mean, that's that's something I'm hoping to do with all these different collections and spirals of ideas at some point. <laughs> Try and bring a theme together with it all. Also, it's it's kind of like because you're writing so many different things and you're using so many different ideas when you eventually do compile them all together it it's like making like a patchwork quilt or something all the mm. separate elements don't work but when you put them all together it makes something whole and unique and creative and mm. and i think that's astonishing because i focus on writing as you know i've got an idea for a story there's the beginning there's the middle there's the end whereas you have a unique approach where you're like oh this idea is good oh this idea is good and then you're slowly building that up all together and then once you have made it and you're you're happy with it and it's finished it's that patchwork quilt where it's you know everything is mishmashed but for some reason there's a interconnecting link that was subconsciously there all the time mm. Uh, it's almost <laughs> bringing together the, all those different definitions of perspective that you've held for yourself across those different periods and you have that underlying core factor that goes alongside of it all but uh, I mean it's been an incredible process I, I, I did it before where I actually did try and digitalize all of these pages and oh, <laughs> it's a lengthy process I can tell you now particularly if you're writing out every single word you really get into the mindset of absolutely everything that you were thinking when you came to those different points and that entire process as you move along that entire timeline and going through that and rewriting absolutely everything you do notice those core themes and your understanding and those different perspectives the ideals that you do hold when it comes to your morality or your motivations and goals that you have in life you, you can see the reoccurring themes that you can end up having in yourself and, mm. i mean one of the things i find really fascinating as well going back is seeing the things that i've studied and learned about at the time so if I learn about a certain philosopher, for example, I can see how those ideologies can end up influencing me. And that can end up interplaying later down the line. I mean, it can be simple phrases. You know, there's this wonderful line from Socrates' defense where um, is, well, Plato, the writer there, is going, I'll stop doing it when I understand what I'm doing. And, such a simple line like that you can see how those little <laughs> i don't know um cliches for yourself it's not the word neither is idiom but you know the one i'm talking about yeah yeah you can hold on to those little catchphrases as it were for yourself and have those integrated into your understanding as you go down that path yeah um okay so what's well, I've, I've kind of, we've already addressed this, uh, but what is your process for, for writing, do you think? Ooh, I mean, my initial process, if I'm going to get into the mindset of writing, is that I've always got to tune myself out, usually from the world. So mm -hmm. you get yourself into a little nook where it can be you know, your favourite place, tucked up sitting somewhere or somewhere out in, you know, well, Around here, you end up sitting by the river if it's sunny, <laughs> tucked up under a tree and things like that. Uh, plug myself into music and just lose myself from the world. And I find that even if I don't know what the hell I'm going to write, I make sure I write that down because <laughs> that can be sometimes helpful getting into that tricky process. You can sit there with this absolute wall going, I've got to make sure the first word is the absolute perfect right thing. But yeah. no, it, it, even if you know, write down, I don't know what I'm doing, what the hell am I going? And inevitably, you're just going to get ease into that process and start moving on from there. I find some of the best writing I've ended up doing has started off in the clunkiest fashion. I mean, to the point that I've not even written the date right and I've had to scribble it out and go, oh, it's not even, <laughs> you know, this isn't May, it's little. But um, those writings have ended up developing into something that I can actually work with. So yeah, even if it starts off clunky, I'd say keep going with it. You never know what will be the end result. Interesting, thank you. Um, 
So once you've finished your first draft, how do you get on to writing your second? Uh, oh, <laughs> that's that's one I need more discipline in doing. I, I'll be entirely honest. I'm on a second draft of a book that I've been doing now, and uh, I found the, the best process for me it is particularly because I like having the physical object was it really helped having the physical thing out in, in front of me where I could mm -hmm. go through and make annotations I could highlight post-it you know you end up just doodling all the way through you mm -hmm. I mean it you the end result is that you got the thing twice as thick as it was anyway when you got all the annotations and everything thrown in it but um uh, I found being quite ruthless with myself on the second draft is really what helped because yeah, you, re you read through the first draft and you're there going, oh my God, this is awful. What the hell is this? But um, uh, I found that in the second draft, just cutting back everything that doesn't work to the same degree. Because, you know, the second draft's not the end of the story. It's not the end of a draft. It, there can always be more to come. But uh, taking back everything that doesn't work and seeing all the bare bones of what you need to work with, uh, I found that works for the best. That's really good. Um, that is a really interesting thing because, you know, with a second draft, it's, they always say like the second draft is harder than your first because your first is getting down your ideas, whereas the second draft is making it look like you wrote that to begin with you know, making it, making it look as good as possible. Um, mm. And I've written quite a few things that when it comes to the second draft, I've been like, oh, I really like that, but it doesn't work in this context and I've got to just get rid of it. Um, and I think I've got like a folder full of scenes and, uh, you know, bits of dialogue and uh, ideas that didn't work in the first drafts, but may come into some use you know down the line if I can rework them into a certain thing so the idea of you know just being ruthless and just you know and and having something physical as well like you know I write my first draft on a, a, a laptop now but I take that off the laptop and I print it off and I I go through with a sharpie or a highlighter and go through every little bit that doesn't work or doesn't make sense or needs some improvement and I kind of color like I get a, like a color key uh even though I'm colorblind uh, uh <laughs> I have this kind of color key and I'm like okay so I know these uh are certain things this doesn't work entirely this uh color is for um it it needs some improvement you know that kind of thing so that's really interesting that you're you have this process and it's very much the the kind of that is you know what you need in a, in a second draft you have to be ruthless and you you have to look at it physically to be able to understand it because mm. if you have it on a laptop it can be really difficult because you're it's almost like you're reading it as a, a kind of email and you're like you're not really focusing on it you're just kind of glossing over it whereas if it's in front of you and it's physical it's a lot more you can see it for what it is and point out all the things that you know do do and don't make sense mm. yeah i mean i found definitely through editing on a physical you know software and everything like that it's the endless scrolling of changing between pages that gets me and i end up losing perspective of how big different scenes and things should be because you know you can't see it when you're just going through this big long line of scrolling as it goes on for ages and ages but uh, having the physical thing there you know actually being able to flick through the different pages as it were and see the bits that you are going to end up keeping it, it does help just create a better well for me a more visual a more visual image yeah <laughs> yeah a more literal image as it were um of that final result no no that that's that's it, it makes a lot of sense um and that's that's really true to to writing as a because 
you know, there are writers who write books, there are writers who write screenplays, and there's writers who fit somewhere in the middle. And it's important as a writer to know the whole process. If you're writing a book, if you're writing a screenplay, you need to write, you need to know the whole process because they do share a lot of similarities. So no, that's mm. that's really interesting. Thank you. Um, so who are the writers that first inspired you to, to write? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> first writers that first inspired me to write. I mean, the first one that immediately comes to mind um, is because I just love the narrating voice of his novels was... Um, Chuck Polinick, the guy who writes Fight Club, oh, and um, yeah. and those series of novels. I mean, uh, looking back, he's got he's got a very visceral style of writing. But reading Fight Club for the first time, uh, particularly uh, if, if you're a lover of the film as well, is seeing that narrative style and how you can carry these different ideas, you know, to the point that it almost lifts his voice straight onto page. Um, going through, I would say he was one of the first writers that really ended up inspiring me in that way and form as well. Mm. I mean, completely adversely to that, there's the likes of Maya Angelou as well, who she does beautiful works of poetry, but uh, she's also got these wonderful books as well. Um, yeah, I know why the cage bird sings, and this is other one, the, the name's completely escaped me now, but that delves into different themes that she's come across in her life. So the ones of love and family and growth and home and what those different definitions have come to her and what they've come to mean. So uh, very, very different um, inspirations there, but some of the early ones, I guess. Well, that's, that's an, you know, another interesting point because, you know, having two perspectives you've you've said a male and a female author um that's quite interesting because you know nowadays there are so many different authors you know male and female and um and sometimes you know for me i i just pick up a book and and i don't really care about the author but that kind of plays a part in their work. So, you know, a lot of male authors go for, for example, with, uh, you know, Chuck, he wrote Fight Club, which has a lot of elements of like toxic masculinity, mm. but you don't really kind of, you don't really kind of comprehend it until you actually see it on screen and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's really odd. Um, and like with, with female authors, I find that they'd write very truth like very truthful things uh very honest and open and 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 sometimes vulnerable pieces because it's 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 not them directing their personality and onto the books it's just i've always found that approach really kind of eye-opening because it's like you know some authors go for some things and other authors take aspects from other things. And so for you to to give an example of two authors that have wrote, you know, either really eye-opening things or really poetic and truthful and beautiful things, that's quite good because you've got that, that juxtaposition. Mm. Uh, definitely. I mean, uh, I find it important to look at a different juxtaposition of the writers that you do end up reading, because otherwise, how are you going to see these variety of different perspectives that you do end up having? Mm -hmm. uh, I've noticed it as well with a lot of female authors, like there can be a lot more in-depth analysis of emotion and things like that. But uh, again, I've seen it again in so many different male authors as well, the different ways that those can, they can explore those ideas and themes and because you know these different ideas of gender can be influenced by the gender of the person who is writing those different ideas at the end of the day and again I, I think it's really important to read a wide perspective to have a greater perspective of these different ideas and themes. Great great um, so how 
uh, how and and why do you write female characters? You know, have you written any any uh, female characters, and you know, how and why, and what do you explore in that? Um, I mean, it's been a while since I've written any fictitious pieces or written any female characters per se. But one of the things that I did find back then when I was writing these characters was trying to make sure that I avoided any stereotypes that automatically come to mind when these characters come to life. I mean, particularly, I mean, this was reflected in whatever teams I could be in at that time. But one of the things I found was to make sure that any female character I was developing was going to be well, as fully fledged as any male character that could, you know, could come onto screen, you know, making sure that all those goals and wants and perspectives are fully fledged and designed, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that that character arc isn't just defined by their gender and those identities, actually fleshing it out independent of those facts, you know, if you wanted to become uh, a STEM engineer, if you want to become a racing driver and things like that, or, it, or any part of those characters, the gender I found should be the last filter that went through that character development process is mm. looking into that individual personality and those different aspects that can go into that character. Mm. I mean, obviously, gender can play part in that you know <laughs> if you, you go through life as a certain gender that the world will treat you as certain genders and things like that and obviously that will affect those character arcs in that process and it's important to take note of that when you are developing those characters but uh, it's making sure that they can be just as varied and independent in that same aspect as well okay um because i've well, I, I was going to just uh, talk about a little bit about because my perspective on writing female characters is I just start off with a, a character template. I start off with the traits of them, not not any stereotypes or anything, just the traits of a certain character. Um, and what exactly uh you know what do they exactly you know exactly want uh need um what have what have their previous experiences been um for example i'm writing uh a female super villain at the moment Um, but she's not a super villain in the generic sense of oh you know this person's wronged me i'm i'm all evil now it's more complex than that. It's it's more about what she experienced when she was younger and what built into her negative attitudes. But I didn't start off by writing her as oh she's just a supervillain or oh she's. I didn't start off with her gender. I just started off with the character basics, and then when I finished, I was like. Well, that could work for any gender, but I want it to be a female because I want to see how that dynamic works and how her her mind works. Um, so, would you say that would be kind of the best bet if you were right? If you were giving advice of writing female characters, would you say that would be the best option to go with? Oh, definitely. I mean, one of the things that I, I came across um, recently was um, there's this thing called the Johans um, analysis that looks at female representation in media and film and things like that. And um, it goes through these different stages of evaluation. But uh, one of the things that it does look into is whether or not this the male protagonist or villain, this character, as it were, can just be played by a woman without it actually having an impact on the story. Um, I mean, the analysis itself goes way more in depth. I mean, I definitely recommend anyone having a look at Flick Philosopher, I believe it is. Um, and she goes so much into depth and in how these different female characters should be represented. So in it particularly, so for example, in the, the villain role, as it were, how many female villains are created because they lost a child, you know, like in the women of black sort of thing, or they're a scorned woman. So you've got these bunny boilers and bits like that. But uh, 
uh, is, is seeing whether or not you can create this fully fledged female character that isn't just instrumental. So, you know, they're not just playing a role of a mother or a sister or a girlfriend that can be that small part, you know, or moving along the storyline in that bit is having a fully fledged character arc themselves. I mean, a, another one to look at as well is, um, have you heard of the Mako Mori test that no, you can no. have? No. So it, it's um, based off the film Pacific Rim, you know, <laughs> you know, the one with the giant mecha suits fighting yeah. the big dinosaur Godzilla type things raging up from the earth. And uh, yeah. one of the female characters in it, Mako Mori, um, has her own independent character arc. And uh, mm -hmm. the idea of this Mako Mori test is if you can have a female character who has their own independent arc that isn't just there to help this male protagonist along. I mean, you think of the examples of the, the Manic Pixie Dream Girls and all of that that come into play where <laughs> their literal character arc is just there to help assist this male protagonist. But well, realistically, I mean, particularly as a female viewer as it comes to it, you, you want to see these characters have their goals and intentions realized and acted out, be it through writing or screenplay or whatever medium. You want to see these fully fledged characters who, again, aren't just there as supporting roles. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, because... Um... That's another thing is uh, like, how would you say female characters ha are, you know, are represented in fiction? Uh, not just in terms of, of, of books, but TV shows and films. Like in the last couple of years, there's been some kind of change, but how do you feel that in, in all, how do you feel that uh, women have been represented in fiction? Ooh. Overall, I would say the representation of women in well in fiction is vastly improving. A lot, a lot of the shows and things that are coming out on you know Netflix and TV and everything like that nowadays tend to see a far more varied approach in women. Uh, I mean, you can see evidence in it as well. Things like the Bechdel test, <laughs> another one where um, designed by Alison Bechdel in this comic book strip that she had back day, which was you have to have two female characters which at some point talk to each other in this narrative and that conversation is about something other than men and over the years you, you look back and hardly any of them actually passed that but more and more in the films that are coming out recently and the tv shows are there is that increase of representation i mean it's still not there in the same way that I would like to like see like in a lot of the, I mean, particularly film action films and things like that. Mm. There's still a lot of a way to go, but it is getting there. I would say uh, companies like Marvel are doing a fantastic job in creating that female representation on the screen. I mean, if, if nobody can beat that shot in Endgame when you've got all the different female characters there. I mean, that is a female viewer. Oh, that was absolutely incredible to see that yeah. whole dynamic um, representation on that screen. But um, I'd say as a whole, it's improving. Still got a long way to go to make sure, you know, there's still going to be so many different films out there that still reduce women to within the male gaze. But yeah. that will always ultimately be determined by who are creating these stories. You know, if we go forward in the future where we have more representation of the people behind the camera in, in the script department, in the producers and everything like that, then those ideas will be put forward onto screen and there will be that better representation. Great. Um, what I've, I've actually just said, um, well, you've, you've kind of answered the next question. I would, I would have said, um, would have asked I'm going to ask it anyway you know <laughs> um what would you suggest could be done to change that um obviously you've said a little bit but could you expand upon that 
So I would say, I mean, if you're looking to create something that's going to be fully fledged, fully thought out, it's ideal to have that representation in the initial process. So if you're looking to create a product that ultimately will have female characters from diverse backgrounds, why not have that in the original team to begin with so you know have a diverse ear and this doesn't when it comes to uh, diverse as well this isn't just talking gender it's got to look at intersectionally as well you know a diverse representation of different races and cultures and genders you know it doesn't have to just be male or female you know we've got intersex we've got non-binary there's so many different representations that come into that that can only come across from a diverse team at its roots and I think if you, you end up stereotyping yourself in the teams that you're working with, that will end up having a stereotype result. And if that continues to be the case, then you will have these poor representations because, well, you know, you've got a limited mindset. The more people you have in a perspective, the bigger perspective, the, good, the bigger the perspective is going to end up being. So, yeah, <laughs> I would say look for a diverse group that can represent from the start. And, if you do have difficulty of, you know, writing from the perspective of a female, you know, not having those lived in experiences yourself, speak to the women around you, you know, get, a, get an idea of their voices and how they can be represented. See, that's, that's uh, summed it up perfectly for me, because again, going back to, um, to what I've written, uh, especially about female characters, is luckily I am friends with a lot of females uh, and especially female, female writers like yourself so I know that if I'm struggling to to get into the mindset of this particular character um, or if I want to expand upon on a certain theme or subject um, I know that I can reach out to, to, to you and to others to get their perspective um not that exactly their experience but that just their female perspective you know how they've had to live their life how they've had to uh adjust to certain events that have they've you know thrown them a curveball through life um and i actually i have to say that you know when it comes to any female characters I write, I don't, I don't say it was initially written by me. I say it was written by me, but with the help of so and so, because it's important to acknowledge the people that have helped me shape these characters and really give them the best on screen or uh, the best textuality I can I can give. Um, so is that another thing that you would you would consider is you know reaching out to your friends your family even if they may not know even if they may not be a writer or an experienced writer of any kind as long as they can give a certain perspective do you think that you know is another thing that they I would say I would say that would be an invaluable source of knowledge, um, regardless of gender or anything. Anyway, you know, if you're looking for those different perspectives, you know, different people that you talk to will help provide and provide that tapestry of different experiences, because you know, it can be so easy to write so many different characters from one perspective that you know, you know, that's the life that you've lived in is on all of this, but it is only through talking to these different people, particularly, you know, if you've got them in your social circles there anyway, or different people out there, even if it's researching them on the internet, stalking oh my god I came out terribly wrong there but you know of looking properly into the experiences of variety of people in their lives that is an invaluable bank of knowledge if particularly if you want to make any of these characters believable or for anyone to realistically connect with them in a different way because you, you will connect with the character that's like you you know and when you find different people and you can write about those different people and those perspectives particularly if it, you know if it can come a female perspective having that richness of character yeah, yeah an invaluable source so what is your favorite aspect of writing 
Oh, one of the, my favourite aspects of writing, well, the favourite aspect of writing would probably be just being able to put some, you know, physically into words, the amalgamation of different ideas and thoughts that have been rushing through your head. You know, I find that if you were to try and visualise a thought, the way that it hyperlinks and changes and can morph into different memories and things like that, or different flashbacks and ideas, I, I love being able to actually get that down into a physical thing that can be played with. Um, and for me, yeah, seeing that come to life, seeing those ideas and things being collected together, I'd say, yeah, that's that's probably my favourite aspect of writing. Interesting. Thank you. Um, so I've already asked you about who were the first uh, writers that inspired you. But now I want to ask, who are the writers that inspire you now? Uh, just any in general or new and upcoming writers in particular who inspires you now that you've you've you know been able to develop as a writer uh well the most recent writer that i found has really inspired me but was a uh, marcel proust who um I, I don't know if you're familiar i ended up coming across him due to the film the little miss sunshine um steve Carell's uh -huh. character is a as a Proust scholar as it were and he, he has all these development in suffering and happiness and how you grow in yourself and then he's written this one book called a well I say one book he's actually written a seven volume book it's called a memory of things past the research to Tom's Purdue or something like that um, and it's all about these ideas of involuntary memory so the actual plot of this book Swan's Way hardly anything happens in it you know this guy can't go to sleep at night and it's all about the thoughts that he ends up having in these processes and memories and what those flashbacks inspire for him and um the book follows these different ideas and it follows these memories of his youth and what that meant for him there and it's such a beautiful explore, exploration of character. You know, you can really feel everything that this character is living and breathing and remembering. And one of the things I, you also find, um, even though he describes this phenomenon, as it were, of this involuntary memory, you know, these memories that can be sparked up from nowhere, you'll be reading through these pages and have flashbacks of your own dotted throughout all of it. And, being able to write something like that, I found, well, <laughs> would be incredible, which is what got me going back to go through all the different books that I've been going through before and going through this index process, trying to pull together these different themes. And uh, I found go yeah, going through that and seeing the impact that just even the smallest thing can have on you. I mean, in the book, it talks about eating a madeleine, you know, the little fluffy cakes that you can have. Yeah. And just taking one bite of that and being taken back instantly to his aunt's kitchen, you know, and he can smell everything and see that entire scene. Uh, wanting to recapture something like that, that has probably been the most inspiring book that I've read recently. Wow, oh, that's, that's quite interesting, because when you were saying earlier about... Um you know, you're, you're, the writers that first inspired you were um, Chuck, can't remember his last name. Um, Chuck Paulinick, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, the writers that inspired you first um, are totally different to the one that's inspired you recently. So that kind of shows in a way how when you uh when you learn and when you develop and when you grow your knowledge you find that there are authors out there or there are writers um that have inspired you um in different ways and there's new ones that come along all the time um one of my favorite writers uh russell t davis uh i've always been a fan of his work um and I've I've known other kind of TV shows from him, and I've you know I've followed him ever since Doctor Who when in two thousand five. But he wrote a show recently called It's a Sin, mm. 
Uh, and I found that really interesting because it's about um, kind of gay life in the 80s and how scary it was because of the whole HIV AIDS uh, epidemic. Um, but I wouldn't have ever thought he would have ever written something like that, but he did. Um, and I found that really interesting. But through him, I found other writers um, who have who have written incredible pieces of of TV, film, novels. You know, in, you name it. He they've they've written it, and I feel like as I've grown as a writer, I keep finding these little magical kind of nuggets of 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 fiction but also non-fiction as well you know I've I've read a lot of books about the writing process and that's really interesting as well because everyone has their own interpretation it's not necessarily a guide um so when I was when I was doing this podcast series I was like how is it how can I teach people how to write when it's not exactly a a kind of given thing and a lot of these writers when you've seen them in interviews they're like just write what you know just do this just do that and that's what I think has inspired me the most is it's not the writers work themselves it's them explaining their process and that's why I like conducting these interviews because I like learning about for example your process and how you are completely different to um my other interviewees and you're completely different and other interviewees are completely different from them um so i think that's really interesting how you have developed as a writer from reading novels that are intellectually you know wow fascinating but you've now got to the point where you're like I just I just read something that really sparks up a, a a conversation in 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 me, and thinks, oh, I you know that's a really interesting idea. I could try and explore something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah been an interesting process. You can see the change how it's been reflected on the bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. over time, I've moved from reading a lot more fiction and writing fiction pieces, as it were, to looking more into more non-fiction texts. So seeing, the, you know, looking more into philosophical works or poetry works or going into different ideas and things like that. And that's been reflected in the things that I'm writing now. I mean, again, <laughs> I'd, I'd be hard pushed to give advice to anyone for different writing styles if to give it exactly by the book, I'd go with the same ideology of write what you know, you know, if it's an idea, continue to explore that. It doesn't have to, for me, I found it can sometimes be hard to try and keep it contained within a structure of the final product, be it a screenplay or a write, you know, a finished short story or something like that. Sometimes I can find it just easier to keep going and exploring with those ideas. I thought over time there weren't going to be books that <laughs> were anything like these madness of ideas and amalgamations that I came across. But you know, in the, you do end up finding them. That you know, you can see it in books of philosophical works and things like that, where you can have these continuation of different ideas. It might feel like babbling to you then, but it it, it can all come to an end. So my last question uh what projects are you working on at the moment and what are you hoping to write about in the future uh so the current project that i'm working on at the minute um is a this just a story project that i've been working on for quite some time now where i compiled together all the different journals and diaries that i did have and um started looking into that different process and looking into the story that arises in day-to-day -day life everyone every every single person that you meet you know you can ask them about absolutely anything and there is a story in that narrative of how they came into the, that being and i really wanted to play with that idea and 
try and compile those experiences, changing all the <laughs> locations and friends and names and everything in there, but looking into the narrative process that happens in day-to-day -day life. So that's a project that I've been, was work, well, have been working on for a while. Uh, the other ones I'm working on at the minute is looking into more thematic things. So looking into these ideas of love and family and home and self and strength and trying to put them together and pull these different ideas together and see where I can actually take them. Uh, there should be a couple poetry bits down the line as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, with the world as it is at the minute, there's not been many opportunities to go out and perform any spoken word, but uh, I'm hoping to get a couple more pieces down in the pipeline in the future. Oh, great. Well, thank you very much, Catherine. Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I hope you have a wonderful uh, International Women's Day. Um, <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for your time and for your just general wisdom and 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 you know your your opinions and your views. It's it's been great to finally have another interesting topic to to talk about on the show, and I hope this inspires more uh, more writers, you know, male, female, non-binary, any any kind of uh writers who just want to write i hope this inspires them to write uh more female characters and hopefully more strong and and, and enigmatic and, and imaginative uh female characters so thank you so much it's been a pleasure to have you on and uh i will you know see you soon <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you ever so much for having me on. It's been an absolutely fantastic experience. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the show. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Creative Writing with Kazaya Hyde. You can also like and follow my Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages to keep updated with more content coming your way very soon. Thank you all for listening and I will see you again next time.